Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. When Africa emerged from its intense period of decolonization in the late 1950s and 1960s, Israel was the most helpful nation, assisting the emerging governments and societies to develop their agricultural and industrial resources. In return, Israel was the recipient of goodwill and some diplomatic support, but under the air pressure, these relations proved too fragile. Now, however, when the Arab world gradually normalizes its attitude toward the Jewish state, countries such as Chad and Sudan no longer fear conducting their contacts with Jerusalem out in the open, including high-level visits. What are the prospects of Israel gaining or regaining further footholds in Africa? With us to analyze these matters, we're joined from central Israel by Dr. Chaim Koren, who is Israel's former ambassador to both Egypt and South Sudan, respectively, and a lecturer at Reichman University in Herzliya. Thank you for joining us, Ambassador. Also with us here in the studio is uh, our very own editor-at-large, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, uh, the host of both Watchmen Talk, Powers in Play, and so much more. Um, how about you take it away and give us a little bit of a broader understanding now that Israel is seeking, not only has it normalized relations with two more African nations, of course, taking out of the equation other African nations, which are not Muslim, but it is seeking to really uh, invest more of its efforts into the continent in relations, in helping build uh, the continent, because it does believe that Africa has immense potential, as do most countries in the world believe. So when we speak about Africa, of course, we are generalizing. Uh, There are uh, various problems um, uh, north of the Sahara, south of the Sahara, southern Africa, eastern Africa, western Africa. Uh, but there are also common problems. And the director of the CIA, uh, William Burns, uh, most recently noted that um, the world should not ignore what is happening in Africa uh, with uh, 70% of the population under the age of 30 and that uh, this could be the next Middle East uh, when one looks at uh, the analogy of the Arab Spring, that uh, it is uh, about to spring uh, in many countries and could see the next upheaval. Another feature, of course, is the Chinese incursion into various African nations. And there, China sometimes finds itself in competition with Israel or with Israeli firms uh, trying to trade or uh, uh, have some foothold there. Now, regarding uh, Chad and Sudan, um, one sees that after the um, uh, first joy at the probable addition of these countries to the Abraham Accords, there has been a very slow progress towards the move from announcement to normalization to full diplomatic relations, which, by the way, with Chad, were established um, already 60 years ago. And uh, President Tombalbay uh, of Chad was here um, in the mid-1960s. Now we have seen that the current president, who is the son and successor to his father, 
um, and was here in the first week of, of this uh, month. Again, he opened his embassy at Ramat Gan, a suburb of Tel Aviv, and promised uh, fuller relations, but it's very slow. And in um, Sudan, Foreign Minister uh, Eli Cohen, on a second visit, he was there already as an intelligence minister. Again, he met uh, with one of the leaders, the uh, co-leader, General Burhan, uh, who again promised uh, to do some, some more. But obviously, it also depends on two dimensions. American help in warming up these relations and the Palestinian question, as was the communique, um, uh, which was uh, released in Khartoum. Progress on the Palestinian track would also help in the Israeli relationship with several African nations. Indeed. Uh, you mentioned, of course, the words of CIA director, uh, Ambassador William Burns, who, who pointed out to a very true issue. Uh, moreover, when we're looking at the whole uh, concept uh, of continents, we're speaking about Africa, as you mentioned also correctly, it's not a cohesive continent. North Africa is very different than Central Africa, West Africa, East Africa, South Africa. Every side of uh, this continent is different. I think the only continent in the world that is somewhat cohesive, even though with all the migration into Australia today, it's not even that. Um, but for us to bring in, uh, of course, uh, Ambassador Dr. Chaim Koren, who was an ambassador to two African nations, uh, has written extensively in the academia about multiple issues in this continent uh, of different angles. I'd like to ask you, from an Israeli perspective, what is the urgency in Israel? Looking at other nations also in the region and beyond, we see Turkey, of course, with former Prime Minister Ahmed Davutoglu declaring that Turkey will be in every African nation. Uh, nation. We see the, the uh, French, of course, trying to bolster after withdrawing from many countries, once again, uh, their presence, uh, the United Kingdom, Italy, uh, the United States, of course, trying to compete on the strategic power competition with China, which uh, is giving also a lot of challenges to Israel proper. Where is everything heading to? The relationship between Africa and Israel have been witnessed few stages. Uh, ever since the independence of Israel, uh, where at the time where Israel was surrounded by uh, enemies, uh, there was a big attempt to find a larger circle to establish a relationship with. And at the time, the young African nations needed badly uh, help and assistance from Israel. And Israel, as a young nation, have developed skills on irrigation, uh, um, uh, agriculture, some other issues that uh, was very helpful for Africa and the relationship basically flourished with most new African nations uh, in in all parts of con of the continent. Now, uh, after the se or uh, during the seventy three war, uh, at the heat peak of the pan Arab attempt to uh, fight against Israel, even to destroy it, uh, there was uh, 
uh, a heavy pressure of Saudi Arabia to cut the relationship uh, between African countries and Israel by, by tempting them with Saudi money. And uh, most of the African countries, including Ethiopia in some state, stage, did it and returned to relationship basically in the mid-90s when the status of Israel uh, basically have changed dramatically in the Middle East uh, after Madrid and Oslo agreements here. Uh, most of the African countries uh, returned to, to a good relationship with Israel. The, uh, the uh, example of Sudan is very typical in that point. British rule were both in, in, in Palestine and in Sudan. Here it was a mandate, in Sudan it was a condominium, and there was a, a British interest to have relationship between the two colonies. So the uh, merchandise from Sudan to here, basically uh, uh, cotton and uh, uh, cattle, was flourishing even from the mid-30s. And Israel got its independence in 48. Um, Sudan has a real wish to establish a relationship with Israel. The first government of Sudan under Sadiq al-Mahdi made uh, contact with Israelis. Now, when the archives are open, we can find it very clearly and discover how deep the relationship uh, were. And uh, till 58, which was, a, uh, Sudan got it independent in, in 1956. And in 1958 was the first cut that died in Sudan. And even after the cut, uh, the Sudanese government kept on trying to consist relationship because they were uh, extremely afraid from Abdel Nasser and its coercive pan-Arabism on, uh, on the Arab states. And only after heavy pressure, like in the case of Yemen in 66, as you all remember, Egypt uh, uh, bombed uh, Yemen with gas. Sudan has to join pan-Arabism and, and, and cut uh, the contacts with Israel, which renewed later on in the 80s under General Mary, and even in the time of Omar al-Bashir that start to find or to look for relationship with Israel basically from 2000 uh, 14. So what we see here, you can also look at Uganda under Idi Amin. You can also see on other other countries like the changes that occurred in Ethiopia after the communist revolution and back to uh, uh, to civilian uh, control, and it's all reflected on the relationship with Israel. But basically, African didn't have any problem with Israel bilateral. On the contrary, they would like to go on, like you mentioned correctly, with Chad and other countries uh, uh, kept on under the table the relationship with Israel. And it's true that, in fact, in the last three decades, we have very warm relationship with Chad. And I myself visited there. And just for you know information, we just finished to build a hospital uh, in, in, in the capital of Chad only months, a month ago. So uh, the, the relationship is, uh, uh, is actually uh, keeping going on. And uh, 
we need to elaborate in any specific case in any part of the continent in order to come to a focus, but the phenomenon is very clear. Indeed. Well, uh, Mr. Owen, I'd, I'd like to hear your uh, reaction to some of the points that were mentioned by Ambassador Cullen, but I'd like also to raise a couple of things. Uh, countries ultimately uh, may have friendly people between one another, but when it comes down to things, it's also about interests. And much of the interests and uh, needs of Africa uh, can be accommodated by Israel, something that Israel is quite aware of, African nations are aware of, uh, but there are hurdles along the way. One thing which, again, going back to CIA Director Burns, he spoke about uh, the terrorism issue of Islamists uh, from the Sahel elsewhere. Uh, we saw multiple issues partaking to, uh, of course, having young populations, no labor. Uh, there is a negative migration to uh, the direction of Europe, to the direction of uh, uh, even the Arab countries at some stage, where they seek then to once again find their way uh, into the European continent. But when it comes down to things, how can Israel bolster its relations at a time when those who are amplifying terrorism, uh, whether it is the, the uh, countries that back uh, Islamist organizations, uh, not only in Africa, but elsewhere, uh, as well as the Islamic Republic of Iran, which supports very much uh, many of those regimes uh, in a corrupt manner, something that uh, goes hand in hand with totalitarian regimes. And Israel does not play that game uh, because it cannot. In, in uh, most cases, it, it tries to intrigue agriculture, as was stated, health, building hospitals, helping the populations, stabilizing societies, and as such, fostering mutual interests that then would allow Israel to deepen also its uh, diplomatic leverage to a certain degree. So uh, just to add to what you said and to what uh, Chaim Koren uh, mentioned, when Israel in the early uh, 60s uh, helped develop these emerging countries, it also helped foster a new generation of leaders, people who were up and coming and later took leadership positions, whether democratically or by taking control of their governments uh, coming from the military or elsewhere. But Israel was also hurt by its relations with the uh, white supremacist regime in South Africa before 1990. Now, uh, this is no longer the case, obviously. No, it's the black supremacist Right, uh, and um, Africa, in addition to, to being uh, divided into what you mentioned, um, Eastern, Western, Central, Southern, um, there are also remnants of various colonial powers, British, French, Belgian, even Germany in uh, Namibia. Um, and Israel uh, was free of, um, of these um, uh, residual emotions um, uh, by the uh, population. Now, regarding the security problem in, in Mali, in Burkina Faso, and other places, uh, Daesh or Al-Qaeda or various offshoots, Israel has a lot of counterterrorism and intelligence expertise. 
um, and it can help uh, these countries. But there is also a problem in having um, many relationships with several countries. And that is one of uh, Ambassador Karen's areas of expertise. The uh, fight over the uh, Great Dam um, on the Nile. Uh, when Between Ethiopia, Ethiopia of course, and, Sudan and, also being part of it, right. but also Egypt. When, right. when Ambassador Karen mentioned Sudan in 1958, uh, this was the year that Nasser announced that um, he is no longer uh, fostering the dream of the unity of the uh, Nile Valley. But the Sudanese and later the Ethiopians do not believe that the uh, Egyptians uh, no longer harbor ambitions um, upriver. So now Israel uh, sometimes must find itself having to choose between various friends who have uh, contrasting views on what they consider their national security problems. Maybe uh, Ambassador Cohen would like to indeed, Ambassador Cohen, to remark on that. Uh, right. Uh, I think uh, you touched the point because uh, the Renaissance dance is supposed to be a local issue between two or three countries. Today it's four, which means Ethiopia, Sudan, South Sudan, and Egypt. But the heat is between Egypt and Ethiopia, and ever since uh, Abdel Nasser uh, have done two things in, the, in 1956, which was uh, building the first Renaissance, the first done in Aswan by the, by the uh, USSR and later on by Americans, and uh, taking the Suez Canal, it changed few things in the Middle East and beyond, and then uh, uh, we were at the time in a war with Egypt and other Arab countries, and the changes are uh, caused to a situation today that Egypt and Israel are working together. Uh, so if by the time that Mubarak was a president in Egypt for 30 years and the Egyptian press kept on blaming Israel, stealing the water uh, from the Nile through Ethiopia, it's the first time that President Sisi requested uh, Israeli meditation between uh, Egypt and Ethiopia regarding the story of the dam. That is very interesting, and pointing yeah. out the uh, changing reality in the Middle East. Now, when we adding South Sudan that controlled the White Nile to to Ethiopia, then the Blue Nile passing through to Lake Tana and coming back together with the White Nile in Khartoum, near Khartoum in Akbara. We're talking about four actors at that game that uh, actually uh, make the world tension busy on that issue because it reflects anything. First and foremost, uh, the, uh, the Red Sea and uh, uh, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, possibility for the world uh, uh, transport uh, through the uh, uh, Red Sea and Suez Canal to the Indian Ocean. And actually, if you mentioned the Chinese before, uh, you're well aware to the point that uh, the whole control in Africa and elsewhere, it's coming to that point. That's why Djibouti, Somalia, 
Sudan and other nations are so uh, uh, important to that. But coming back to uh, to the Renaissance now, for years, for generations, Egypt thought that on downstream it can dictate the uh, uh, the the, the uh, uh, I would say the way of streaming streaming from from uh, uh, Lake. Uh, um, uh, uh, from from Uganda and Tanzania down all the way through all the countries uh, bordering the Nile, and it ha it came to, to the point backed first by the British, even after the independence. The first agreement was in uh, 1929, which enabled Egypt and the Sudan under under uh, British control to get all the advantages. Uh, Ambassador the Cohen, and then if... again. In if I may interject one moment, just to make things clear, I think our, our viewers at home need to take a map and, and go through this, maybe right. rewind and go over the entire geography of the our okay. area. But Mr. Olin, I'd like to uh, ask you to provide a little bit of an insight about the current state of play of this situation, because uh, it's still very alive. We saw this uh, uh, in the previous U.S. administration under Donald Trump. Uh, trying to mediate between Ethiopia and Egypt, which were on the brink of war. Uh, people need to understand this has also implications for Israel, uh, to say uh, not only for Israel, but for the entire world, considering the fact that one-third of crude oil, uh, na uh, liquid natural gas, goes through those maritime passageways. They're going through Egypt, they're going along Sudan, they're going... Uh, in areas which ultimately, if the war breaks out between those two countries and those waterways are located in one way or another, Europe is going to see deficiency far beyond what we saw from Russia to date. So some people, even in the United States, um, are sometimes confused between the Nile River, um, uh, who, which is supposed uh, uh, to be the father of Egypt, even in mythology, um, Nilus was um, uh, either the father or the mother of uh, King Egyptus um, uh, and the Suez Canal. Of course, two different um, uh, waterways. Now, Ethiopia was until very recently, and perhaps it's not over yet, uh, occupied with its uh, Eritrean uh, problem and what happened in its other northern uh, provinces. Now that there is a sort of a ceasefire or armistice, uh, perhaps uh, it will go back uh, to this problem. But there is also an additional problem, and that is that East Africa, including Ethiopia and Eritrea, border the Red Sea. And uh, if uh, there is a security concern for Israel in Yemen, um, especially when the Houthis are being helped by Iran and uh, they have control of the port of Hodeida and other places uh, down south, uh, almost all the way to, to Aden, then Israel must uh, ha keep its relations with East African nations. Also, by the way, this is just as, an, uh, as a footnote. There is a sizable contingent of Africans in Israel now. Eritreans, Darfurians, and Sudanese. Sudanese. And they, they were initially not received very well by either the government or certain segments of the population in the areas 
where they started residing in. But now they have been assimilated into the population. And ironically, they can serve as ambassadors of goodwill. And they send money home, they report back home, and Israel is seen as a very good example of both a Western and a Middle Eastern country because these people are now part of the culture and the economy of Israel. There was, of course, an in, in brief influx uh, of uh, uh, migrants who, who sought better life, of course, and also fled uh, the war in, in Sudan, in Eritrea. Uh, my family were among those who took in one of the families to take care of uh, uh, them in order to help them, of course, uh, get on their feet. But uh, ultimately, when we're looking at the situation, uh, we realize that the continent of Africa is there to stay. Uh, it's flourishing to a certain degree. It has so much potential. We border Africa. We border Africa, indeed. Indeed. But uh, we have roughly two minutes left, and I'd like to hear Ambassador Cohen's assessment for the near future. Where do you see the relations of Israel heading to uh, with the, the various African countries, considering the last uh, glimpses of normalization with uh, two Arab or Muslim African nations? Uh, I think um, we have to look forward to the future optimistically because the uh, just look what's going on now with uh, uh, with various countries, various countries around Africa, and, and you get some idea where it's leading to. The fact that uh, Africa is suffering uh, some part of the hunger, terrorism, immigration, and our skills on that field are required by most of the African nations. And if you, uh, just as an example, took uh, a, a quick look at uh, a state like Chad and its uh, military and its role for France, for the U.S., and the relationship of terrorism between uh, Libya, Mali, Mauritania, all the way down to, uh, 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 to a new, new countries that in Western Africa that never suffered it, you can understand that uh, our help are expected. Uh, also, Indeed. Sudan itself. Uh, uh, our well, we will have to keep it, uh, Ambassador Cohen, we'll have to keep it for our next episode, uh, edition related to Africa. Of course, there's there also a lot of persecutioning uh, happening uh, from Islamists against Christians, and there's uh, uh, much more to be discussed. But until next time, I'd like to thank Ambassador Cohen and Mr. Oren for taking part in today's program, and I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.